everyone, and welcome to the Because Maybe podcast. The podcast that takes a look at all things 90s and answers some of the most important questions of the decade. Because maybe comic book movies are not that good. I'm your host, John Connolly, and thank you, whoever you are, wherever you are, for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. Well, this week, what have we got for you? We have got, from page to film, looking at some of the films of the 1990s that originated through the written word. We have some 90s trivia for you, and we take a look at some of the great speeches in political history. But before we get into all that, I want to thank everybody who is listening right now. Um, This has been a long time coming. This is the first episode of what we plan on doing, and it's taken a while to get to where we are. This has been a uh, labor of love, for lack of a better term, and this is something that I have wanted to do for a long time. Um, I hope this meets everybody's expectations, if there are expectations for those who are listening to it. I want to keep this entertaining as possible. I I'm know I'm not the funniest guy in the world, and I know I tend to ramble a little bit, but you know what? It's it's good. I, I, I like to I like to talk, and I like I hope everybody will enjoy listening to some of the things that I have to say. Um, it's it's going to be... Something that, you know, something that I've, I've been trying for a long time. I've always wanted to be on radio, and now, with radio not being the, as big as it used to be, at least when I wanted to be on radio, th- this is kind of a nice, happy medium. Somewhere where I can host my own show, do my own thing, and, you know, be fantastic. Um, before we get started, before we go into this, you know, I want to just say a couple of things first. Um, there, there are some things that I say that people will wonder, what the heck is he talking about? I'll say the word guys a lot. Uh, when I say that, I don't mean that for men only, women, whatever. I mean everybody. That's that's my way of saying everybody. It's hey guys, hey guys, hey guys. I mean, I have two daughters and I say hey guys to them. And, you know, it, it's just who I am. I apologize if that makes anyone uncomfortable. It's just how I talk. Um, I also say we a lot when referring to the podcast itself. And what I mean by that is um, while I've done the majority of the research and the majority of the production and the majority of the speaking... Um, this has been a team effort. There's been so many people who you will hear in upcoming episodes on the show. Three people who've been really, really helpful in particular to get in where I am today. And when I say we, I'm including those three as well because they don't know how much they have uh, helped me get to where I need to be. And, you know, I'm thankful each and every day. And, you know, I couldn't have done this without them. So what is the Because Maybe podcast? I know you're all dying to know why you've, you're probably going to be wasting the next hour of your time listening to. Um, right now, there is a glut of 90s nostalgia. I'm as guilty of it as anybody else is. The thing is, when you see it, it's usually memes and BuzzFeed lists. And it's written by someone who's maybe in their mid-20s, who wouldn't have really experienced that much of the 90s and 90s culture. Uh, they may have caught the tail end of it, fine, whatever, but... Not so much people who lived it, you know, and that's not a criticism to, to anybody, you know, I, I'm trying to be lighthearted and I'm trying to keep everybody engaged as possible, so please don't think that is, as a criticism. But I read some of these lists and I don't identify with any of it. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, hey, look at this TV show, wasn't it great now, and then comparing it to something, some TV show that's not as good, or cartoon, or, you know, just, just something small and saying, man, weren't things great in the old days? And... Yes, they were, but uh, not in the way that people might think. The 90s was a different time to, to what things are now. Um, 
you know, the 90s, there's a lot of things that happen, not just in the pop culture world, but in the world as a whole. And that's one of the things I want to look at. I want to look at all aspects of the 90s to document it, to go through, you know, I'm going to try and keep it as lighthearted as possible, like I mentioned. I want to keep this entertaining. I'm trying not to go as too dark as possible. But, you know, there are some things that we've changed as a society during the 90s in a speed that we hadn't done in any other decade before. Um, You know, for example, at the beginning of the 90s, uh, the idea that everybody who owned a computer could connect to each other and share f- information, share files, communicate, that was a pie-in-the-sky dream. That was that was unheard of. Nobody had ever, ever thought of doing that. CDs that would play music is one thing, but having a DVD that would play movies on, on your... T- I mean, it just... That kind of thing, you know, that's that sounds inconsequential. Then we had music movements, political movements. We had... Uh, Things like grunge come out of the woodwork. We had this big, big, big rush of British pop culture from the mid to late 90s. We had this big glut of girl power. We had independent movies becoming the norm. Independent music becoming what was listened to. The alternative scene became the mainstream. Uh, We had countries basically disintegrate under your very eyes we had hip political leaders whether you like what they are now or or hate what they are now and it was just it was just a very very different time everybody was more loose and everybody was more accepting of a lot of things now there were some things that we were still in the dark ages on don't get me wrong but at least for that period of time it was a different way of looking at things. It was different from our parents, which is every generation. But we, you know, we are the generation that, you know, you hear it all. We we were the last to play outside and the first to get the smartphones. But n- not just that. We were the last people to understand why both of those things are important. But that's not just why the podcast is important to me. The podcast is important to me, too. Um, the subject matter is important, but, I mean, just the act of doing this. Um, I've, like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to do a... I've always wanted to be on radio. I always wanted to do something like this before. And I want to entertain, and I want to inform, and I want to build an audience. And I know that's going to take a lot of hard work just other than me wanting something. Um, but, you know, this is very important to me. I've worked hard. I've worked as hard as I can on it. And I hope... Uh, you guys understand that I'm not perfect, Um, I might have made some mistakes, and, you know, I'm trying, I'm doing my best. But the good thing is, is I like feedback, you know, and we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, The podcast itself is scheduled every Wednesday. Uh, So, you're hearing this on a Wednesday, I'm actually recording this just a couple of days before, Uh, but every Wednesday we'll drop a new episode, and every Saturday on our blog, which you can check in the description, uh, every Saturday we will drop kind of a teaser a written word as to uh, what we're looking at. If you haven't read this week's blog, I recommend you go and read it too because it kind of ties into what I'm what I'm going to be recording. Uh, we'll be releasing this every week, but every like 10 to 15 weeks, we'll do t- 10 to 15 shows, then we'll stop. And that just gives enough time to plan the next block. I mean, I've already got two or three blocks set up. I mean, I've got a lot of material already ready to go. But um, we're going to stop and put the new list together. And, you know, just, and there's sometimes as well, we're going to be breaking like around uh, the Christmas holiday. Uh, We're going to be breaking around the new year. Um, We're going to be breaking again in the summer. Just, you know, like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. So I've got, I've got some other responsibilities outside of this podcast, but also it'll give us a chance to freshen up the format a little bit too. And 
that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for feedback. I'm looking for what you guys may like, what you guys may dislike, you know, and and that's what I'm looking for. So how can you guys support the podcast? Well, you don't have to. That's that's the great thing about it. This is just, you know, this is just my plaything. But if you do want to support the podcast, we are on certain social media websites. If you uh, look for Because Maybe Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, uh, Podbean, which is where we, we're hosting things right now. Uh, also check out our website. Uh, it should be up and running by now. We might have some, some kinks in, in the system. But, you know, if you support them, let us know. Um... This is going to kind of be episodic as well, but every episode is going to have its own theme. Um, the theme we're looking at today is called Scenes of the 90s. It's where we look at a movement or a small trend, and we try and put some sense into what was going on. We also have something called Cultural Impact, which is how we're still feeling the effects of something that happened during the 90s. We also have some political uh, things that we're looking at. Nothing to, you know, we're going to try and keep it as impartial as possible because i don't want to get into this whole left v right up v down whatever debate i want to keep this like i said entertaining and also we'll be doing reviews now if you are not a fan of the review show just let you know they're going to be sandwiched in between the topics so this week we're going to be doing uh, a topic and then the next week we're going to be doing a review then we're going to be doing a topic and a review and so on and so forth it's just to keep everything fresh and you know because there's a lot of things to look at too as i mentioned we, we've got the schedule going on every wednesday we're going to take a break sometimes um but guys what i really need is feedback from you guys i really need some suggestions on how we're doing i really need to know how i'm doing too because look this is this is my baby this is something that i've been working on for a long long time and i don't just want to give it up easy after a couple of episodes but I can't know I'm bad at something if I'm not told I'm bad at it. Um, that's one of the things. I, I, I thrive on feedback. I can't know I'm doing a bad job. If, if I'm not told I'm doing a bad job, you can't throw it against me. Uh, <laughs> we're also looking for partnerships. Uh, we don't want any corporate sponsorship. And not because we want to be fight the power or anything like that. But we realize if we go into corporate sponsorship, there are certain things we can't do. Our production costs are going to go up. And right now, you know, we're, we're at the bare, bare limit, even stretching the limit as to what we can do. So we're maybe looking for just, you know, plugs and partnerships. You know, um, if, for example, uh, you guys want a plug for your podcast, not a problem, not a problem. I will gladly plug it for you. The only thing I ask in return is if you give me a plug. You know, we, we scratch each other's backs and tickle each other's bellies, as my sister would say. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be more stuff like this coming out through the next couple of weeks. But, guys, once again, thank you very much. I mean, I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart for helping me achieve uh, a lifelong dream. I mean, this, is, this has been a dream for me. This has been something that I've been looking forward to doing for the last... 15 years not so much again not so much a podcast but you know just being able to get my own show out there and you know i promise if you give me some time and give me a chance to work through the kinks uh this will be a this will be a great show for you guys to listen to um but again thank you so much i really do appreciate it and this is episode one uh here's to another 200 more scenes of the 90s this week on Scenes from the 90s, we're going to be taking a look at 90s movies that originated in either book, comic book, or play form. Nowadays, when you look at movies, you know, you can see comic book movie, comic book movie, book adaptation, book adaptation, comic book movie, play, comic book movie, comic book movie, Marvel, 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 oh my word, Marvel, 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 DC, DC, and it just, it's on and on. And it just seems like there's very few original ideas out there. Now, of course, that's not entirely true. Um, there are tons of original movies out there, even in the mainstream Hollywood, you know, that they are out there. But um, 
that I wanted to see how much of a new phenomenon that actually was. Uh, so I decided to do some research, and I wanted to look at movies from the 90s that were based on uh, books. So in my half day state, uh, I trolled the internet for a, you know, for a little while and found 60 movies that were based on either a book, a play, which is being read in literature classes, you know, that's why I'm including Shakespeare, or uh, something that was a comic book. Not necessarily a superhero. That's one of the misconceptions, is that all comic book movies are superhero movies. That's that's not the case. Uh, and that's what I, I found. Um, so, I basically found 60 movies, 20 in three different categories. And today, I'm going to be ranking the top and bottom three in each category. Now, how I determined the ranking on this one was uh, I did some research on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, not necessarily to see if one was better than the other or anything like that, but I wanted to get a good consensus. Uh, some of the things I found uh, shocked me. Some of the things I found uh, were in tune to what I believed, but we'll get into that more later on. Uh, the three categories are Adaptation. That is a movie that is about 75% faithful to the material and plot. Uh, then there are based on movies, a movie that is based on a book but either doesn't follow the main plot or makes too many radical changes to it that it's just a simple interpretation. Then there are comic book characters, that is where a movie that's been adapted from a comic book. Again, I would like to clarify, comic book does not mean superhero. You know, Casper is a comic book movie, whether you want to believe it or not. Yes, Casper the Friendly Ghost, the one with Christine, yeah, anyway. Uh, so, you know, I want to see what we used and you know looking at the list uh, the list like i said 60 movies the full list is on our blog uh i wanted to see what was the the main genre and you know it turns out that funny movies are not liked by critics and not liked by fans either as much as serious movies with emotional sting to them uh that's why you know the number one book is gonna be what it is um some of the things I didn't even know were based on books, and, you know, it was a real shock when looking through this. Um, one of the things I'm going to be talking about, uh, one of the movies I'm going to be talking about is uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. I didn't realize that that was based off of a book. And then there are some that I didn't know had the movie made out of them. So, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a surreal experience. When it comes to books that became movies, full-on adaptations... Uh, a lot of the books were very, very serious, and you saw a lot of uh, a lot of criminal activity, you know, in the books. You know, uh, uh, just looking at some some of the names here, just you know, Fight Club, Rum Punch, which became uh, Jackie Brown. Um, you know, you had uh, Casino. Um, so you know, the, the, these kind of movies are, are all in there, and you know, it was it was kind of weird to see that in there. Now, uh, the comedy side of things didn't fare too well. And there's one book in the adaptation list that is so so out of the ordinary that a lot of people didn't un understand it. Full disclaimer, I studied it when I was in college. And I can even say even that is, you know, is beyond me. When it comes to loose books, um, again, you know, the good thing is there's a wide variety. I found out the kids' books got a bit of more of a pass the more they strayed away from the original source material uh the more faithful they were to the material the less they were liked and then when it came to comic books obviously there's you plethora of superheroes or supernatural um but there were things like i've mentioned before casper uh richie rich the rocketeer sabrina the teenage witch you know not superhero movies but you know again coming off the comic book coming off the written word and you know as far as i'm concerned it counts 
and yes, it, it is it is funny doing a doing an analysis, uh, looking at the difference between Richie Rich and Batman. You know, but um, but I was surprised that there were some things that were that were missing. There were very few coming of age books, which surprised me a little bit. The movies that I like made out of book that were made from books uh, were all pitched in just over the millennium and there are a lot of books that i thought oh man it'd be great oh 2000 oh it'd be great oh 89 you know so and too far into 89 for me to kind of give it a purse let's start with the bottom let's start with the lowest of the low and we're going to start with the comic books rank number 18 in the comic book list is barb wire barb wire one of the most over the top and boring plots i think it was it was designed as a vehicle to put Pamela Anderson as a serious actress, and it just bombed spectacularly. The effects were laughable, the plot was worse, and it was basically a chance to get to see Pamela Anderson in skimpy clothes and, and leather. Um, it just... it. I don't know how faithful it was to the comic book, but if the comic book was as campy and as bad as the movie, I, I, I don't see it getting very far. Um, it did kind of do well but not as well as everybody expected and critically it was a disaster it was an absolute mitigated joke and in my opinion it probably was part of the reason why Pamela Anderson was not taken seriously as uh, a, a leading lady I mean it only takes one bad movie for that to happen and unfortunately Barb Wire was a terrible movie uh, ranked number 19 is a movie so bad that Everybody has everybody who worked on it has denounced it, uh, and that is Batman and Robin, starring George Clooney as Batman, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mister Freeze, and Poison Ivy is Uma Thurman. And my word, it's like somebody took the nineteen sixties campy Batman series and recast Adam West and Burt Ward. It was terrible. Not even throwing Alicia Silverstone in there could make this movie any better. George Clooney couldn't turn his head. Uh, Chris O'Donnell just didn't want to be there by the looks of things. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman as the villains just phone it in. It It is a bad, bad movie. Now, pretty much everybody escaped that unscathed in terms of their career, especially when the director comes out and denounces it a, a couple of years later. You know, it's it's um, it was too campy even for Joel Schumacher. And... You know, there are a lot of things out there right now. If you want to go look uh, online at uh, Cinema Sins, it's one of their longest videos. The plot that it has is absolutely crazy. The acting is bad. There's no scientific advisor by the looks of things. Uh, they've got a max headroom scene. Barbara, Alfred's niece, is uh, here to pay off the money that she owes Alfred because he's looked after her whole life and then takes part in such dangerous sport that she almost killed herself three times. It just, it was bad. It was bad, bad, bad. And the fact that most of the cast made it out of that movie unscathed, uh, to me, just, yeah, it just, it, it, it boggles the mind. And finally, bottom, ranked number 20 of comic book movies, we have Captain America. Now, not the Captain America with Chris Evans that we all know and love. This was a Captain America so bad that they didn't release it. Like most things, it's gotten out there, and I haven't seen this movie. I'm not going to make an opinion on this movie, because, like I said, I haven't seen it. I like to make opinions from, from fact, but 
reading some of the reviews on this, this is possibly not just one of the worst movies made in the 90s, but one of the worst movies ever made. Apparently the special effects were made Superman 4 look like Jurassic Park. Apparently the plot made Batman and Robin look like a Citizen Kane. It was a bad plot, bad acting, bad casting, bad effects, bad director, bad, 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 bad. And from everything that I've read, it is deserving as the bottom movie of the 90s in terms of book adaptations. So, we're done with the comic book movies. This, we've, we've gotten those ones out of the way. We've gotten the abominations out of the way. These were the three worst movies on the list uh, with, by, by some distance. And that was that's part of the problem that I'll get into here in a little while. Okay, when we look at uh, the second category, which is adaptations. Uh, again, like I said, movies that stray too far from the original material to, uh, you know, to be considered a full, true adaptation. We're going to start with what came in at 18, and that is Eddie Murphy's Nutty Professor. Uh, yeah, what can I say about this? I actually liked The Nutty Professor when I first saw it, but then remember, I was 13 years old in 1997. So all the, all the, all the fart jokes and all the, all, all you know, all, as, uh, Kevin Smith once said in uh, Chase and Amy, the money's in and fart jokes. And Eddie Murphy made a lot of money off of this uh, adaptation of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And uh, what when I watched it, it was funny. And I mean, look, we still, we still quote this around the house whenever somebody says something stupid or something somewhat jokingly threatening. We'll always tell them, come on, Cletus. They'll, they'll walk over, but they limp back. But I mean... Yeah, it was just an endless string of fat jokes, fart jokes, and oh look at me, I'm th- I'm thin and I'm awesome. There were very few redeeming characters in that movie. Uh, the plotline itself, again, follows the Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. It it was it was a product of its time. I don't think you could make a movie like that now. In fact, Eddie Murphy, I think, tried to recreate that uh, with uh, Norbert a few years ago, and you know, it was just after he he almost won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, he he makes that crap. Um, not the worst movie in the world, but, I mean, for the purposes of what we're talking about, one of the worst that, uh, we had to, to, to look through. The film that came in 19th was Mars Attacks, and this one, I have to say, everybody got it wrong. Everybody got it wrong. The critics got it wrong, the people who watched it got it wrong, everybody got it wrong. And I'm gonna say this as a smug film student, as, you know, I'm gonna put my student hat on for a minute. Mars Attacks was not meant to be taken seriously, at all. At all. It is a it is a parody of B-movies. B-movies are terrible to begin with. But this parody of the War of the Worlds uh, just, you know, in every way, shape, or form is supposed to be ludicrous. It's supposed to be over the top. It had an all-star cast that everybody thought was wasted. I thought it was fantastic. You know, being Welsh, seeing Tom Jones, you know, in, in a movie was great. It's just people didn't get it. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why people t- look back at it and go, ugh. You know, but I disagree. I think it's a fantastic movie. I think it's hilarious. And if you know going into it that it's not supposed to be taken seriously and it's a complete parody of what those kind of movies were like, the old disaster movies, the old attack of the invisible tomatoes and the invisible aliens and all that stuff. If you can get into that part of it, you think it's a great movie. But unfortunately, you know, you guys didn't agree. And I don't just mean you guys watching it. I mean, as a whole. And coming in rock bottom, we have Lawnmower Man. Oh, Lawnmower Man. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't seen the movie. Uh, that, that, that'll go for a couple of things in here. I haven't seen everything myself. I haven't seen Lawnmower Man. But the buzz around it was such that, yeah, it was it was penned by critics. It was penned by uh, viewers. And the only thing I know about it for certain 
is that Stephen King was so horrified that he said it's Lawnmower Man in name only. He wanted nothing to do with this and demanded that his name be taken off the credit. Which, an author like Stephen King has written some great stuff and if and likes to get his name out there. And if he wants to take his name away from something like this, you know it's not that good. It is, yeah. It, it yeah. So now we come to uh, Faithful Adaptations. The ones that, um, as I mentioned, made over 75%. Uh, ranked at number 18, we have Mrs. Doubtfire. Apparently, the book is called Alias Madame Doubtfire by Anne Fine. Um, I, I, again, I like, kind of like The Nutty Professor. I watched it when I was younger, and I liked it. And a lot of the jokes wouldn't stand up right now. But Ron Williams was such a great actor. He could, he pulled the emotion out of the scene in the ways that he was pissed off at the world because he couldn't see his kids anymore. And he'd do anything to see them. And, you know, the way he, the way he found a creative way to do it, and he brought in the humor... But the great thing about Robin Williams was he was able to bring emotion out of it. Unlike the Nighty Professor, it wasn't an endless string of uh, fart jokes and fat jokes, but he was able to put over a sense of vulnerability in his character. And, you know, that's why Mrs. Doubtfire, yes, it ranks low in the adaptations, but it's still in the top half of all these movies. And that's something I'm going to get to later on. Uh, you could go the same. You could think the same thing about a uh, great actor bringing together the the humor and the raw emotion for number nineteen. In this case, Father of the Bride, Steve Martin, the man. I- I'm sorry, Steve Martin is a fantastic actor, fantastic comedian, and he has the comic timing to be a a just just a great actor. Um, I didn't understand this movie when I was younger, and I watched this movie a lot of times. Uh, maybe you know it's not a typical movie that that a teenage me or even a preteen me would you know should be watching you know but uh, a lot of the jokes went over my head and everything like that but it was a great movie i can identify with the character now even though i haven't seen the movie in many many years i still remember a lot of the scenes where he uh steve martin's character did not want his daughter getting married dealing with boys because he still saw her as his little baby and as a dad i can i can understand that now you know sometimes it's not healthy i understand that too but i mean yeah it was just it was it was a really really good movie diane keaton did a good job too uh of being the kind of you know the the anchor that that keeps him sane they've kind of done that in a lot of movies with uh husband and wives where you think it's just a little uh little off that these two people are together uh one example i can give is the um meet the parent series you know uh ben stiller's character and uh terry polo they you know they they have that chemistry and it's it's that I call that further the bride chemistry because you know it was it was it was there. I like this movie. I'm I'm surprised it ended up as low as it did, but there you go. Uh, bottom of this, however, is a movie I expected to be bottom of this. The movie's called Crash. Now, you got it's not the Crash that was made, you know, with uh, Halle Berry uh, several years ago. This one stars uh, Holly Hunter. It is about a bunch of people who are in a strange sect of uh, BDSM and what they do is they take erotic pleasure in car crashes and uh, the first part of the movie you see Holly Hunter's character's husband get killed by the lead character and I can't remember his name I apologize Um, 
and you know she starts flashing him as they get rescued after the accident and then they end up having an affair him and his wife already are having an affairs because they they can't stand each other and it's just a very very weird movie it's very very art house and it was released you know to the to the big screen and i i never understood why but um yeah it's just very very i don't know it's very very ugh, you know um some of the things people write is one thing and how they adapted it. I will say this. I've read the book. I had to read the book. Um, I had to watch the movie when I was doing film stuff. And I will say that the adaptation is good. It is It is very, very faithful. And you, you tend to... It's a movie full of anti-heroes. And I don't think there's anybody in the film you're supposed to like. And they do a really, really good job of that. But at the same time, unlike Mars Attacks, where it's supposed to be so bad and nobody got it, this one is very, very hard to get. So, so those are the bad movies. Let's go talk about the good movies for a minute. And we go back to comic books because that's the best way to do it. And we're going to talk about Batman Returns. That was number three in our system. Uh, great, great movie. Um, wonderful, wonderful cast. Michael Keaton's Batman is probably the second best Batman after Kevin Conroy. Yeah. I went there. Uh, <laughs> the animated Batman is far superior, but um, Michael Keaton is the best live-action Batman since uh, Adam West, um, and I think he's better than uh, better than Christian Bale's Batman, to be honest. Uh, then you've you know you had a great cast of Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Danny DeVito. I think it was really it was a really really good movie. It was very very dark. You know, unlike uh, Batman and Robin, it was, it was very very dark and kept Batman to be in Batman dang good movie tim burton did a fantastic job great score by danny elfman uh yeah it was a really 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 good movie and i can understand why it's ranked so high number two in comic books is men in black now i knew men in black was a uh, comic book uh to begin with but men in black the movie itself was uh, was one of the first movies that i actually sat through with you know i didn't want to leave i thought it was a fantastic movie um you wouldn't tell by watching but actually, the end plot was completely different to the plot that everybody filmed. Two scenes with green screen were changed to uh, make it, instead of the Earth being in the middle of a war, kind of like, you know, the, 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 two ba- the two bad guys are hiding behind the side of the Earth and shooting. Uh, it made it so that the, the Earth was going to be destroyed. I thought that was, a, you know, knowing that, I think that was a great plot twist. Um, the acting in here is fantastic. Tommy Lee Jones... Oh my, Will Smith is Will Smith. Let's get that out of the way right now. Will Smith is Will Smith. But Tommy Lee Jones, oh man. Deadpan comedy from serious actors is one of my favorite things. That's why I love Leslie Nielsen. That's why Airplane was such a fantastic movie. Because everybody acted the jokes as serious as can be. Every scene that Tommy Lee Jones is in, you just have to watch. Because it's either his facial expressions or is his, his sighing. He always is calm, cool, and collected. And I, I just, great plot, great... Um, supporting cast you know what is a wonderful wonderful movie so those were number three and two in the comic book category now we're going to look at the back to the based on category and we've got two books that are um completely and utterly different and i was completely shocked by number three in the based on books and that is army of darkness now yes i understand what book is army of darkness based off of well that whole series was based off uh, lovecraft's necronomicons I think I got that right. I apologize if I don't. Someone will correct me. Um, this movie is in the so bad it's good category. It's cheesy. It's it's oh 
the whole way through every time you hear it, you're just like ugh the jokes are bad but at the same time it is so funny uh, I don't think it was meant to be funny but it came out that way um Bruce Campbell wow he is yeah he he he, he made that part his own I think the reason why this one is loved uh, a lot too because uh, like a lot of films it's very very quotable um and you know my boomstick and you know just just how the presence of Bruce Campbell in this movie was absolutely fantastic. Now, spoiler alert, I didn't like how they changed the ending. Uh, the ending that everybody saw in the movies was was not the going to be the original ending. The original ending was going to uh, keep everything going, wake up in the future, not so much in this correct time period. Uh, but again, a fantastic movie, very, very quotable, um, great cast. Well, not, even a, well not, not really a great cast or a great story, but everybody made what they did good. By be by camping it up so much, it is a very camp movie, and uh, yeah, I think I th- I agree. I think it's a fantastic movie. I wouldn't have put it as high, but there you go. Uh, number two in the based on categories is my favorite book and one of my favorite movies, Train Spotted. Now, the reason I say based on, there's going to be a lot of people wondering who've who've read the book and and the movies and and gone, wait a minute, hang on, why are you calling this only based on a direct adaptation? You have to uh, merge characters. And you have to change scenes. But the problem with Trainspotting and why I put it in this category and not the other category was simple. Uh, if you've read Trainspotting, you know it's a collection of short stories. It is, uh, you know, Irving Welsh did a, wrote possibly the best book ever written as far as I'm concerned. And the characters, you, you're not supposed to like any of the characters, although you end up rooting for them. Um, they all have their, they have very few upside and they have a lot of downside. And by the end of the book, you don't recognize that... You recognize some of that downside as upside. Um, the movie itself, it had to go in a straight line. It had to build a narrative. And so it cobbled together some of the stories and put the plot together. And that's what it came out as. A lot of the stories were attributed to other people. Uh, for example, one of the characters, Tommy, dies in the movie. But Tommy is still alive in the book and his death is uh, told from Matty's point of view, who's who died in the book. Uh, we don't see Renton's brothers in the movie, which were an important part of why Renton was what he was. Sick Boy doesn't get nearly enough uh, screen time on his own. Same thing with Begby. You don't see, uh, you know, don't see any part of Begby's girlfriend, uh, which is another important plot point. You don't see why Renton uh, did go and sleep with a 14-year-old girl and what the reasons were behind it and why he was reluctant to, 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 to keep moving forward, even though he did. Um, you know, in the book, Renton moved to London, but he wasn't followed by the other two characters. So, I mean, you couldn't do a straight-line story of the book because you had to cobble, you had to cobble a lot of this stuff together. And Danny Boyle did a great job. The cast was perfect. Very few books and movies, you look at, you look at and go, man, that is a perfect cast. You maybe have a perfect character, you maybe have somebody go, you know what, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. But you could replace a couple of other people in that movie and it wouldn't have made a difference. Whereas in Trainspotting, you cannot replace any of the five main actors. Ewan McGregor is Renton. Uh, Robert Carlyle is Begbie. And, you know, so it's it's it was a great cast. Fantastic visuals. Um, you know, they did a fantastic job and, you know what, it deserves its position. Actually, in my opinion, it deserves higher, but that's not what the critics say. And again, we're not doing this on my opinion, we're doing this on the critics' opinion. 
We move back to the adaptations right now, and number three on the list is Silence of the Lambs. What a movie this is. Uh, one of my favorite movies at all time, and it's been such a long time since I've seen it. Uh, but it's just such a good, good movie. I mean, even the first 15 minutes. Everybody wondered why seeing Hannibal Lecter for the very, very first time made them unsettled. And after knowing everything that they knew about him in the first couple of minutes that they spoke about him. And when I was in film school, I learned that was to do with uh, color palettes and the fact that uh, up until you saw Hannibal Lecter, the color blue was safe. You know, everybody who wore blue was the good guy. Everybody who was in a dark brown or red color was the bad guy. And it's uh, this all scene of brown comes this blue outfit that Lecter is in. Um, it, it's it's really, really good. Buffalo Bill is one of the scariest and creepiest villain I've ever seen. Uh, this movie was not without controversy. Um, there was a large, large swath of accusations of homophobia, transphobia, and sexism. And it could be seen that way from a lot of angles. And it could be seen that it's not that way from a lot of other angles. I mean, it doesn't glorify anything. Um, just Buffalo Bill was just not there. I mean, he was he was crazy. He was... He, he was, he just, yeah, he just wasn't there. And again, a great movie. If you guys haven't seen it, go look it up. It's got Anthony Hopkins in there, my hometown hero. A great score by a Howard Shaw, who would later go on to do the Lord of the Rings movies, amongst a ton of others. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a fantastic movie. The number two movie is a movie that I've seen so few times that I can't really talk about it in great depth. Um, it would be Goodfellas. Uh, Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, three great, great great actors, just, oh my, wow, it's such a good movie. I was debating whether or not to use this in this list because it is uh, based off of a true story, and that's one of the things I wanted to avoid, but I mean, it's been changed enough that it's still non-fiction, but it's fictionalized enough to where, in my opinion, I can get away with it. Um, you know, it is set in the 70s and 80s, it's yeah, I mean, it's it's such a great movie. It is. I mean, a lot of the uh, cast would go on starring The Sopranos. It stars Samuel L. Jackson in there, too. Joe Pesci is the star. I mean, no matter what anybody says, Joe Pesci is the star. And before he kind of traded all his seriousness away for the Home Alone movies, it was, you know, it was a two to force of a performance. Uh, great movie. I think it does deserve its uh, number two slot on the list. And yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. So before we talk about the uh, top movie in each category, we're going to talk about some honorable mentions. Uh, these uh, three movies, one in each category, uh, th the three who I thought were my favorite in all of those that I haven't mentioned yet. So in the comic book category, we have The Mask. Uh, the Mask was actually, uh, the comic book itself was written and uh, produced by the same people who made the Barbed Wire comic. And this, unlike the Barbed Wire movie, this showed uh, what you can do if you had a good cast behind it. Um... Jim Carrey was on his ascent at the time. Cameron Diaz making her debut. You had uh, Richard Jenny in it. I love Richard Jenny as a comedian. It's, it's sad that he's no longer with us. Um, but I thought it was a good movie. It was it was typical 90s cheese. And, you know, again, very, very quotable, you know. To this day, people will still go smoking to people, you know. And I just, I thought it was, I thought it was a great movie. I thought, you know, it was... It had its drawbacks. It it did. I mean, you could tell how over the top Jim Carrey was, uh, but at the same time, it was it was well done. The special effects were a little hit and miss. I'll I'll be completely honest, but I I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, in the based on category, we have the Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, 
Uh, my favorite uh, holiday movie, uh, wonderful, wonderful movie. And the reason I say it's based on rather than a complete adaptation. You have the humans who are faithful to the novel. Then you have the Muppets who are faithful to the Muppets. Uh, this was the first big Muppet project after the death of Jim Henson. And, you know, so you had the new Kermit the Frog. Uh, I think it was, I think it's his son, Brian. Uh, but it was, it was, again, it was a really, really good movie. It was bright. It was colorful. Michael Caine is Scrooge. He pulled that part off superbly. From the anger at the beginning to the love at the end, he, he was really, really good. Uh, but kind of a little uncomfortable in my regards because you have Michael Caine, kind of like Patrick Stewart, uh, and Alec Guinness, you know, this top-notch British actor, either saying ridiculous lines, being put in ridiculous situations, or in Michael Caine's case in this movie, acting with Miss Piggy. Uh, <laughs> which is a line very few people like to say, but again, wonderful, wonderful movie. Uh, Waldorf and Stadler as the Marley Brothers was I thought was fantastic. That's the only way I think they could have got Michael Caine's butt in gear. Uh, the anachronisms between the anachronisms between modern day and Dickensian London. Uh, you know, this is the American way, and then he's corrected to the the eagle is correct to say the British way. Uh, I thought that I, I it's silly, but I thought that was hilarious. Um, it's just it's a really really good movie. If you've never seen it before, number one, why not? Number two, if you have children especially who like the Muppets, you have to watch this movie at Christmas time because it is it is a fantastic movie. However, if you're like me, you can watch it at any other point during the year and it'll be okay. Uh, and we go to adaptation, and my honorable pick, my my selection was uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, where to begin with Jurassic Park? The CGI still stands up. That's the legacy. You combine CGI with models, and that's what you get. Jurassic Park was phenomenal. Brilliant cast. It had the Goldblum. It had Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, it had Sam Neill. Great, great actors. I mean, okay, the Goldblum isn't a great actor, but, I mean, he played the part perfectly. Um... It just the the sleazeball lawyer, the sleazeball lawyer. Oh, I hear that. I, I, I cheered when he got it. Um, the fact that the dinosaurs looked real um, was was a great great use of models and CGI, and it was such such a great movie. Um, it did kind of feel like you know like a Stephen King type movie. I think Steven Spielberg said that he wanted to make Jaws with dinosaurs, and it shows. It was oh, it's 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 so good. I mean it. The sequels and the reboots haven't been as good, and I can you, you can see why. In my opinion, if this movie wasn't made, but the sequels were, the sequels would have been treated as great movies. But because they were eclipsed, kind of like The Matrix. The first Matrix was fantastic, the other two not so much. Jurassic Park is a benchmark for anybody who wants to make movies. And anybody who, who, who believes that movie making is easy, you just point a camera and get the right people in. It shows what a lot of hard work can do. Um, I think, I thought it was great. The Nedry character was a little bit over the top for me, but I can understand disgruntled employee, I get it, but it was just, it was just too far, as far as I was concerned. But aside from that, one of the greatest movies of all time. Now, we come to the top of each category. Starting with comic books, and I think when uh, I mentioned that I was going to do this, uh, one of my work colleagues, uh, he said, well, you got to have The Crow, and that's it. That's number one in comic book category. The Crow is possibly the best comic book movie ever made. And its notoriety, unfortunately, 
because of the death of Brandon Lee. Um, kind of covers up the fact that it did seem rushed, but of course it had to have been rushed after after his tragic death on set. Um, it was so dark. It was so surreal. Um, it just it. Oh, if you've never seen The Crow, number one, you can't claim to be a '90s kid if you've never seen The Crow. Number two, watch it. It is such a good movie. Now, warning to you know if you are under the age of if you're under legal age, it's not supposed to be a kids movie. Like a lot of the comic book movies now are geared towards young adults and teenagers. This one is not. This one is purely an adult movie, and the effects on it are so good. Um, you know, it just it 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 still hold it still holds up today. It has a legacy that outreaches beyond just movies. I mean, you know, uh, face paint, the face paint, and it might just seem cheesy and tacky, but a lot of people have made a lot of money off that face paint. Uh, you know, it's it's the most iconic use of black and white face paint since uh, Kiss. Uh, great movie, great acted. Uh, everybody did their job really, really well, and it was such such. It was fantastic. We got it based on, and the number one, no surprise there, is Disney's retelling of Hamlet using lions. Yeah, we're talking The Lion King. Uh, possibly the greatest animated movie of all time. Uh, not just in the 90s, I mean of, of all time. It, it, the story holds up to this day. I mean, it's it's a retelling of Hamlet. And, you know, it's just, it's so good. The cast was perfect. Uh the fact that they killed on screen one of the main characters in the first act of the movie you just wanted to you just wanted to 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 hurt one of the people who made the movie because how dare they do this it was oh it was so emotional uh well put together um the sound effects now taking to Mon and Pumbaa aside which is the only downside of the movie um, and they and and that's good too. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's the, those two and Zazu were the real down points of the movie. Uh, the music was on point. The music was the music was fantastic. It felt authentic. It wasn't you know. I mean, a lot of movies based on um, a lot of movies based in other parts of the world with other cultures tends to get westernized. Um, but they they were really as authentic as they could be uh, with their music, with their instrumentation, with their arrangements. Um, it's even to this day, if I watch it, I'll shed a tear. You know, it's it's a lasting movie. It is uh, one of my favorite movies. And, again, possibly the best animated movie of all time. Hands down. I, I if, you, if, you can, if you can tell me something that's better, that has a better soundtrack, better cast, better story, and more emotional value, then I'd like to see it. If your animated movie contains nothing but fart jokes, I don't want to hear it. And now we come to Adaptation, and that is won by Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. Now, Confession. This is another movie that I haven't seen. So I can't, I can't really say too much about it. But it's considered one of the greatest movies ever made. And the sheer fact that it is number one of the greatest book adaptation of the 90s when you combine the list, we combine my list with IMDb. It is the greatest book adaptation of the '90s. It's got a really great cast with Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. It's got a really great story. It is a fantastic, fantastic movie. 
probably by the time that this podcast is released, I'll probably have sat down and watched it. And I'll probably update the blog and hit hit social media up. But um, what a movie. What a movie from all the from all the critical acclaim, from what the critics are saying, what critics said, from what reviews have said. So if you've not watched it, like me, we need to go out there and watch it. You know, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great time. But The Shawshank Redemption, hands down, wins the best book adaptation of the 90s. And, you know, and, and there's nothing, that, that's a high, that's a high claim. Because, like I said, the 60 that I've picked have got some real, real heavyweights in there. You've got Fight Club and Babe, and Forrest Gump, you know, and for Shawshank to come out on top shows you what a good movie it was. So, you know, that, that's that's the, uh, that's that's basically the fact. Now we come to the uh, opinion part of the thing. Um, I've realized that there is a big difference between critics and viewers. Uh, for example, uh, in IMDb, Forrest Gump ranked in the top three of, uh, of, the, of the list that I have, ranked in the top three of reviews garnishing 88%. On Rotten Tomatoes, the movie itself only received a 71% rating from the critics. That is a huge discrepancy. And why that's a huge discrepancy is Forrest Gump was in the bottom category. Then you look at that again, Babe has got 97% freshness at Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience only liked it for 67%. When kids' movies are being rated on these websites, they're being rated like they are The Godfather. I mean, come on, guys, it's not, you know, it's, I understand Matilda is not Shakespeare, and it's not The Godfather, and it's not, you know, not Star Wars or anything like that, but I mean, it's a kid's movie. You can't compare it to that. It's like comparing a marathon runner to a sprinter, you know? It's like comparing a mixed martial artist to a boxer. You can't do it. It's not right. You know, they're two completely different things, and comparing them, it just, it makes you or the thing look bad. The list of comic books and the list of uh, partial adaptations uh, surprised me a little bit in how low they were viewed in esteem. Aside from our top three, a lot, you know, a lot of it was a big cliff as to what they fo- fell off. In fact, the comic book movies did the worst. I mean, the top comic book movies would only have gone halfway up the list, with the exception of The Crow. But I mean, comic book movies were dire in the '90s. They were absolutely abysmal. Um, I mean, they were absolutely abysmal. Half of my list is under fifty percent. In, in terms of, of approval. And I mean, you know, you had Batman Forever. You had the Ninja Turtles. You had Judge Dredd. The Sabrina movie. Tank Girl and Casper. They just they just didn't resonate. Comic book movies did not resonate with audiences in the 90s. Now, they would in the 2000s. Because every comic book that was adapted was based off of a superhero or something that kicked ass. But when you have Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Ninja Turtles. Richie Rich and Casper. And the Rocketeer. It's it was just it was just hard, you know. It was just hard to pr- produce uh, good quality, good quality movies. You know, do I do I agree with what what these lists are? Um, not in all cases, but I can see why things would be ranked low and things would be ranked high. Uh, yeah, the lists are about as accurate as I can make them. But again, if you want to go look at the list, it is on our blog. Check the description for the link. Um, and that leads to our question this week. What is your favorite movie that is based off a book, a play, or a comic book? And why is it? It can be non-90s if you want it to be. But uh, go online, leave your answer, hashtag BMPod, and, you know, we'll go ahead and call it the best ones next week. And, guys, did we leave any out? Are, are there things on this list that I've talked about tonight? You can go, man, what about this book? If you can think of something, great. I'd like to hear from it. The more obscure, the better. I would love to hear of some really, really... Uh, 
some movie that is really really good that that, that was based off a book uh that that i don't know about you know and and you know that's what i'm looking for the more obscure the better let's get involved go go to our social media sites the links are in the uh, description and you know just use hashtag bmpod and we'll go ahead and get this discussion started a date which will live in infamy ask not what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country mr gorbachev tear down this wall i did not have sexual relations with that woman so before we get on with some 90s trivia i'd like to take a moment to talk a little music with you guys If you are over 21 years of age and are in the Arklatex area on the 21st of October, why not head out and see 90s tribute band and friends of the show, The Holodex, who will be playing the Tiki Bar on East Kings Highway in Shreveport, Louisiana. The show starts at 9, but due to limited seating, you might want to get there just a little early. And here is the best part. Entry for this night of 90s music and entertainment is 100% free. That's right, there is no cover at the door. The Holodex, live at the Tiki Bar, 639 East Kings Highway in Shreveport, Louisiana. Free entry, and the show starts at 9. For more information, go to theholodex.com. That's theholodex, H-O-L-L-O-W, Dex.com or check out their Facebook page at facebook.com slash holodex. Okay, let's get some 90s trivia out the way before we wrap everything up. Uh, usually we're going to go through from uh, Sunday to Saturday, so we're going to be going through from the 24th to the 30th. I think that's a pretty good uh, range. Uh, and let's see what happened in the 90s during this, this last week. Uh, on the 26th of September, 1990, NC-17 became a reign in the United States film industry. On the 29th of September, 94, O.J. Simpson Jewers was selected, and we'll be talking about that in a future episode. Uh, also on the 29th of September, this time in 96, the N64 was released in the United States. On the 24th of September in 1997, the Sci-Fi Channel was born. And a mere five days later, one of my favourite albums, Urban Hymns by The Verve, was released. And on September 30th, 1997, the greatest technological product of all time was born. Internet Explorer 4. <laughs> so you know that that's how th that's how this week was great in 90s history so guys we're nearly at the end of the show and once again i gotta repeat the social media question of the week what is your favorite movie based off a book and why if you want to use the hashtag bmpod we'll go ahead and get the discussion going i want to hear from you guys i want to know what what it is and i want to know some of your obscure movies that were made out of books you know i want to hear it you know it's going to be great uh you can find us on social media on facebook and twitter and tumblr at because maybe pod uh you know and we are on some other sites as well all that's in the description of the podcast and uh we are looking forward to doing another one of these next week next week we're going to do our first review segment and we're going to be reviewing two of the best video games of their kind that were released uh we're going to be t looking at super mario 3 for the nes and super mario world for the snes uh we're going to look at kind of their background where they came from how the hardware changed and everything like that 
um you know once again thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this uh you know we appreciate every single thing that you guys have done uh to make this dream a reality and you know we're looking to build an audience like i mentioned earlier and you know the more the merrier if you like what you hear subscribe give us a like share um you know tell two friends who can tell two friends and so on and so on that you know hey you've got something to listen to i think you'd enjoy it you know i'm I'm looking forward to hearing some of your feedback too guys thank you very much i really do appreciate it and we'll see you next week <laughs> <laughs>